Today, as we wrap up this series, I really want to focus on this, this part that happens at the end of the conversation. Uh, because once you've had a really good conversation, you know, it's, it's rare that you can solve everything you know, over one cup of coffee, over one lunch. It usually takes time. It, it, there's, there's multiple conversations that go into this. And so how do, we, you know, how do we kind of set ourselves up where we can continue to invest in people's lives? And, and how, do we, you know, how do we position ourselves for that just so we can have better relationships with people and, and really get to the stuff that matters? Uh, I want to talk about that here today. I just, if you're just joining us, I want to kind of give you a recap of where we've been just real quick, here, here's what we've, we know so far is this, is that when it comes to conversations, is we establish trust and understanding uh, through questions. You know, I just, I ask you about you. I just, I'm curious, you know, who are you and, and what's going on in your life? And, and tell me about yourself and what do you think and what do you believe and what are the things that are important to you? And, and what do you think about climate change and, and Donald Trump and God and all these things? You just ask all those questions. And I'll tell you, you start to really get to know somebody when you ask those kinds of questions and you get to someplace that's meaningful. And, and as I ask those questions and you tell me and and I accept you for all of your idiosyncrasies and you accept me for all of mine, then we start to trust each other and build a relationship that has substance. Uh, but often we'll find ourselves on opposite ends of an issue and there's this huge chasm between us. You know, you're red and I'm blue or you're blue and I'm red and I, you know, I can never keep the colors straight of who's supposed to be what and everything else. And so we're, you know, you're this and I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt and how can we come to a place of understanding uh, well, that's what happens with dialogue. You talk about the things that matter to you, and I talk about the things that matter to me, and if I want you to see my perspective, we've got to build a bridge. And a bridge works like this. You go both ways on it, right? So if I want you to see things from my point of view, I've got to be able to get to your side on the same bridge and see things from yours. And so that's the second thing we talked about is how we've got to build a bridge through dialogue. And then finally, uh, last week we talked about how when you have those conversations, even if it's with somebody you profoundly disagree with, there's going to be something good in that person. I mean, they've been created in the image of God after all. And you call it out and you say, man, I see this in you, and this is a good thing. And we call that out, and that's important. We start having conversations, I think, that, that are that way. But today, you know, I, wanna, I want us to talk about what do we do at the end? How do we set ourselves up for uh, what we'll call and what we call in the church a, a discipleship type of relationship? Uh, give you some thoughts here in a second, but as we've been doing with this series, I want to show a clip of a conversation. Actually, this is one I had with uh, Peyton Abbott. Uh, we brought Peyton on staff to serve as our interim youth minister for a couple reasons. One is we needed one, uh, and so that was, that was reason one. Reason two was, as I just thought about Peyton, as I talked with Brian and, and even with Jared, we looped him in on this huge conspiracy there was just something in us. We just said, you know, this kid, I think, is called to ministry. I just don't know if he knows it yet. And so we just said, we're going to pray about this. We're going to talk about this. Let's have some conversations. And so we've been having a series of conversations with Peyton. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that now. Uh, so we've been talking a little bit about my future here at BGCC, uh, where God's calling me, and uh, taking it one day at a time, praying about it, thinking about it, seeing if this is where God wants me to stay 
for now, for the future, um, or not at all, for me and for the church. I think it's helped me kind of understand a little bit more about what ministry is about and what that entails. Uh, I'm a very ambitious person, and so I like things that I can see a number and strive for and then achieve that. And so when we first started talking about ministry, I was very much aware, like, hey, there's not going to be like a number cap that I've got to reach. Uh, and we've talked about the human aspect of it, and I love having deep conversations. I love loving people and talking to people. And so it's helped me understand that even though we can't always see exactly how we're having an impact, we are, and we can just trust God in that. And then also just seeing how God is influencing me being here and how this is beneficial for me to just be at church more than one hour a week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so this past semester, I felt, felt like I finally had my life figured out. I was like, I'm going to go into photography. I'm going to be like the greatest photographer. That's what I'm going to do. Like, I've got a passion for it, and I think God's going to use it. It's going to be amazing. And then we started talking about this opportunity, and I was super confused because it felt like God was calling me to both. Uh, and so that was just a very much world upside down thing. Um, I had a good conversation with Brian Luna about, you know, God's timing and how I may very well do photography later on, but definitely right now this is where God's calling me, and it may not look flashy, it may not be what I conceived of myself as doing, of achieving success and all that, um, but it's where I'm supposed to be. In just one more conversation? Well, one more conversation. Unless it's a really good conversation, probably not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I keep people up, people have been asking me, you know, you liking it? And I, and I love it. Like, I really am genuinely loving it, and I love the kids. The kids have been amazing, and I've had a great time with it so far. Um, but I don't know what it looks like a year from now or two years from now. Um, just trying to take it one week at a time, trying to plan ahead, but also, you know, leave room for God's plan for my life. Um, and keep having these conversations and keep bringing it back around to following his will for what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, uh, I think it takes conversations leading up to it for sure. Not You can't just have that conversation out of context. If a person doesn't know you, know your story, know what's going on, complete context, they're not going to really understand what you're asking. Um, and so when I ask a question of my closest friends, they tend to know a little bit more what I'm actually asking and what's the heart of the matter. And they can kind of push aside all the false motives and wonderings and just say like, you're wanting this for this reason, and that's not in line with Christ, and so it might look good, but in reality, you're not actually relying on Him, you're not following His path. So I think it takes someone who understands your story and loves you and is trying to genuinely help you reach the right conclusions. All right, so those are conversations we've been having and conversations we'll continue to have, and you can be praying for Peyton. I'm sure he'd be glad for you to do that. Uh, but that's the thing, is it just takes time, you know, it just takes time. 
And we see this so clearly in Jesus' interaction here with the disciples. We've been in Matthew 16, and, and if you've been with us, you know that Jesus starts this conversation by asking this kind of surface but totally loaded question of, who do people say that I am? And, and the answers are all over the board, and Jesus doesn't take the time to correct all of the wrong answers. He just sort of says, okay, that's what they say. And then he takes it a little bit deeper, and he says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter, he, he goes out on a limb, and he says, well, you know, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus, you know, last week we looked at how he calls out, Peter, that's, you know, that's not on you. Man, God's revealed that to you. And he shows him the really great things that God's doing in his life. And then today, uh, let's look at this last verse here in this dialogue. Uh, Matthew 16, 18, here's what he follows this up with. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. This is where he changes his name from Simon to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. Jesus right here is doing this one thing. He is helping Peter to build for the future by identifying his strengths and his potential. And that's what we can do. If you're in a conversation with somebody and you start to build that dialogue bridge and you start to you know, pour into them, and, and this is, again, this is sort of what we call discipleship, uh, you can help them build for their future by identifying the strengths that you see and the potential that they have. And, and we touched on this last week. But, but Jesus here, he says to Peter, he says, listen, you are a rock. And, and this is, is, if we're honest with each other, this is as much a statement of faith in Peter as, as Peter's statement of faith was in Jesus. I mean, Peter says, I believe this to be true. And Jesus says, I believe this to be true about you, Peter. Yes, Peter's going to let him down. Peter's going to be a huge disappointment. That is going to happen a whole bunch. But here's what's also going to happen. Peter is going to finish strong. If you are here and you're talking with somebody, maybe you're a parent and you're talking with a kid, or maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and you've got you know, kids in your group or an Awana leader and you're, you know, you're mentoring, you're discipling that group of students for the year. Or maybe you've just got a friend who's new to faith or just trying to figure life out. When, whenever you get an opportunity to call out the really good things you see and show them what that could be used for, do that. Seize that moment. Use it. There was a guy by the name of uh, Tony Lucadello who was and maybe is still regarded as baseball's greatest scout. Uh, he just had this ability to see players that, that just could become major league contenders. And in his career, he signed 52 total uh, players that would go on to play in the major leagues, not just go to the minors, but work their way through the farm leagues, make their way up into uh, the majors. Two of the guys that he signed uh, would go on and join the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, at, when that happened, I mean, he just was, his numbers were far and above everybody else, and they would just ask him, what, what did you do? How do you, how do you scout? What are you looking for? And as he thought about it, he, he wrote books and different baseball technique things. But, but, but he said, you know, there, there's a few different kinds of scouts. He said the first one is just 5% of the scouts are this. He says they're just poor planners. You know, they just, they just kind of show up and hope for the best. He said there's another 5% of scouts that he said are pickers. They kind of nitpick everything apart. They look for all the bad stuff, and, and, and that's what they focus on. He said there's, there's another percentage of scouts, and this is the vast majority of the, of the scouts. These are, are performance scouts. This is 85% of them. He says they are looking for how well a player does in this particular match, how well they do against this team with this coach. He says, but there's another 5% of scouts, and this is where he put himself, who are what he called the projector scout. He said, I'm looking for one thing 
above all else. He said, I'm looking for how coachable a player is. He said, I, I want to find a player that takes instruction and coaching well. That's what I'm looking for. And, and then once I see that, I look for how maybe a hitch in their swing or some sort of throwing quirk, it, it could be fixed and, and, and utilized and leveraged by a better coach and, and how that player would then perform against stiffer competition. He said, I'm always looking for that person. And friends, as, as Christians, I think that's what we ought to be doing. We're not just looking for how are you doing just today and, and, and how are you doing in this moment, but, but how, how, how could your life be affected and different if God got a hold of it and helped you to really realize all the things that he's created and designed you to do? That's what we've got to do. We've got to be looking for the potentials and the strengths in everybody we see because we've got to realize everybody's a work in progress. I mean, I'm a work in progress. You are a work in progress. Peter was a work in progress. And yet Jesus calls it out and he says, listen, Peter, you're a rock. You're strong. And he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't say, you're a rock. You're strong, Peter. He then says this. He says, I will build my church. Notice what happens. He says, Peter, these are the strengths you have, but listen, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to be there for you, Peter. He doesn't say, Peter, you are a rock, and I want you to build my church. You build my church. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to build my church. In other words, Jesus is committing himself to being actively involved in Peter's life as he matures into the amazing church leader that he will become. And as followers of Jesus who want to have meaningful conversations that help people become the best person that God has created them to be. That's what we've got to do. We've got to commit to being available and helpful through ongoing conversations. Friends, this is what we call discipleship. I'm just going to be there for you. I'm going to help you. We'll talk about it. I'm going to support you. I'm going to encourage you. And this isn't a quick fix. I know, you know, nobody, nobody buys into a seminar that says, hey, it's going to take three years for you to have some, you know, level of success. You know, we, we don't do that. You know, we've got seven steps to success, 10 steps to doing this, you know, 12 steps to reaching your goals. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in a week or less, you know, you'll lose 30 pounds, you know, all of these kinds of things. We, we've got a short timetable. We've got something that we want to keep it quick and brief. And yet let's not forget Jesus he was God's son. He is, you know, uh, he's amazing. He's the master teacher. And he grabbed 12 guys and said, follow me. And for over three years, they followed him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then finally, at that point in time, after he came back, he still spent 40 more days with them. And then he turns them loose. Friends, it takes time. You can't out-disciple Jesus. You've got to be in it for the long haul. It's hard. I've got this written on my door, not because I do this perfectly or even well, but this is really what I aspire to be just as a Christian and as a leader here in the church. It's by a guy by the name of Howard Stone. He says this. He says, In the name of God, I am here for you. I give my attention to you and to our being together as a representative of God's love and care for you. I am a broken human expression of that love. But you have my attention and care while we are together and my prayers while we are apart. Friends, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be there for each other. 
We're supposed to be people that are encouraging and caring for each other. I mean, I, I'm the church to you, and the guy sitting to the left of you is the church for you, and you're the church for the guy sitting to the left of you, and you're the church for me. I, we're here for each other. God didn't just say, believe in me, and that's going to take care of it. No, he, he says, you know, believe in me and, and stick together. Stick together, and, and, and together you will encourage each other. You will encourage each other. You will disciple each other to being all that I've created you to be. So we've got to be committed for the long haul. I'm going to give you a few things that if you're in one of these discipling relationships with somebody that should be a part of a good and healthy discipleship relationship. Here, let me give you a few. First one is this, is you need to commit to praying for them. Uh, you to pray for them. And don't just pray for them. Pray for them and tell them you're praying for them. I mean, there's nothing more encouraging in my mind than when I get an email or a text or a card that says, hey, just want you to know I've been praying for you. Just, just want you to know you were my prayers today. That just that warms my heart. And it does for, I think, everybody's heart. is just to know that I have been prayed for. Paul's letters are constantly talking about prayer. He's constantly writing to the churches and he says, hey, will you pray for me? And then he's always telling the churches that he's praying for them. Look here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, just one of many examples. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So, so that's important. You've got to pray for him. Second thing is this, is regularly meet with them. Regularly meet with them. You know, let them know if you've been having a good conversation. Hey, we can do this again. We can get together another time. We, you know, we could even make this a, a regular kind of thing. You know, I had a friend of mine who was, was real encouragement to me. And we would get together periodically. And, and one time we were getting together and he said, you know what, we've just got to put this on our calendar. We've just got to commit that we're going to do this every two weeks. Because if we don't, our schedules are too busy. We'll never fit it in. We'll never make it happen. And you know what? He was right. And so we put it on our calendar, and it didn't happen every two weeks. There was stuff that always came up. But man, we got together regularly because we had committed to it. And so if we want to have conversations that matter, that mean something, we've got to be committed to regularly getting together. And this is super easy to do. Okay? You just, the next time you have a great conversation with somebody that maybe you've got a relationship with, you just say, hey, let's, let's just make this a regular thing, huh? And if you're a coffee person, you do coffee. If you're a lunch person, you do lunch. If you're a breakfast person, you do breakfast. I mean, there's no shortage of times and places to meet. And you say, hey, listen, let's just, hey, the first Tuesday of every month, this is going to be our day. We're just going to make sure that we get together and we make that conversation happen. So just commit to it. Just commit to making that happen. And when you do that and you get in that rhythm, here's what it does. Not only does it does it help them as they are thinking about, oh, we're going to get together again, and they've got to, you know, think about maybe what we've talked about, maybe try to process it. It also reminds you to pray for them. It also reminds you that you need to be engaged and involved. You know, when you have it, you just kind of sit out there nebulous, like, oh, we'll get together at some point in time. It, guess what? It never happens, and it's always less than the best. So make a commitment to regularly meeting with them. Third is this, sharing helpful resources these don't have to be complicated. These don't have to be, you know, encyclopedic in their depth. You know, if you've read a book that encouraged you, share that. If you've read a website or visited a website that's helpful, give them a link. If there's an article or a podcast you've enjoyed, share that with them. 
share the resources. Maybe it's another person that you've found to be a great encouragement. You know, connect those people. Put them together. Share resources that are helpful. Uh, fourth, take them with you as you do what God calls you to do. Uh, let's be honest, there is nothing quite like real-world experience, is there? You know, we can talk about it, we can pray about it, we can meet in the Sunday school class about these things, but it's not until we get out into the quote-unquote real world that we then all of a sudden have to put all this stuff into practice and to make it happen. And so one of the best things you can do if you're discipling somebody is, is invite people into the real world with you. If you're a married couple and you've been married for a long time and you know there's a newlywed couple, invite them into your home and let them just see what it's like to have dinner together and you talk about stuff and you share those experiences. Just invite them into that moment. Just share that real world experience with them. You know, if you're a, a teacher, you know, and you're teaching a Sunday school class, maybe invite somebody to come over and show them the books that you use when you study or the websites that you use when you study and, and how you put those things together. Or if you've got a profession and you know there's students studying for that profession, you know, invite a high school student, you know, invite a college student, you know, invite them to come with you and see what is it like to really do this and give them an opportunity to just sort of see what it is like in reality. If you're mentoring somebody that's younger, maybe a child, college student, high school student, maybe it's your own kid, just remember that every time you go out, you know, is an opportunity for you to, uh, to model what it is that God's calling all of us to do. You know, let them see you drive in traffic at 5 o'clock and try to find a, a parking space close to the door at Kroger at 5 o'clock and then get through the line at Kroger at 5 o'clock. I mean, let them see that. Let them see how you handle stress. Now, most of you, you're going, I don't, I don't really want them to see how I handle stress. Yeah, like, I totally get that. Like, I don't either. But I'll tell you, I'm never such a great Christian as when I know somebody else is watching me. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's just be honest with ourselves, right? You know, when I, I'm mentoring somebody else and they're watching me, I know I got to be on my best behavior because I don't want to transmit any more dysfunction than I'm already going to be transmitting. Just, just got to keep it real, friends. All right. So that's four. It's taken with you as you do what God calls you to do. Um, for a long time, I viewed this, discipleship is this way, is that it's simply inviting somebody to come along with me when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I really think that that is a great way to sort of frame discipleship. How about this? Five, uh, provide opportunities to serve and to lead. Let's say you've got a Sunday school class, and you're leading that Sunday school class, and you've maybe taught and then you've helped model and you've prayed with somebody, you've met with somebody, and you think maybe they've got a gift to do that. At some point in time, you're going to have to sort of make a commitment and say, hey, why don't you give it a shot this week? Are they ready? No, they're not ready. Is it going to be as great as you could do it? P probably not. But give them a shot. Let them try it. You know, uh, sometimes people, uh, other Sunday school teachers, and we won't name names, but you know, they, they look at my Sunday school class and they're really jealous because we've got like 10 teachers in that class and we rotate with great regularity. And, you know, why is that? I, I, I don't know. I know we've got a lot of really gifted teachers in our class, but I think one of the reasons that we've got a lot of teachers in our class is we're not afraid to let somebody give it a try. Hey, give it a shot one week. Try it out. See what you think. It doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. Just try it. And if it goes well, you know, you liked it and and we thought it worked, we'll do it again. But you've got to give them that opportunity to serve and to lead. All right, uh, six, here we go. Give helpful and constructive feedback. Now, I know some people don't want to do this, 
but I think it's super important that we, we provide some sort of feedback. I mean, we all want to grow. We all want to get better. And so we want people to be honest with us and say, you know, this part was great. Man, this was fantastic. This part, you know, it could have been a little better. It could have been better here. Uh, but man, the whole thing was just phenomenal. Just, just you know, I think that was great. Uh, those are the kinds of things that we need. If, if we can, you know, give them some ways that they can leave and be better, man, let's absolutely do that. These are all necessary components of a healthy, ongoing discipleship relationship. Finally, here's what we need to do. Is we need to give these people, the people that we're having these conversations with, we need to give them a glimpse of what the future could be like if they really develop their gifts and surrender them to God for His use. And so that's what we've got to do. We've got to help them dream God's dreams for their life. We've got to help people dream God's dreams for their lives. Now, I get that there are some people that are incredibly talented and have a lot of potential, but there is nobody who has so much potential that they don't need God, and there's nobody who, if they actually took their potential and said, God, I want you to use this, that it couldn't be exponentially better than if they tried to make things work themselves. We've got to help people see what is it that, that they could do with God. Now, 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 here's an aside to this. As some of you might be on the other side of this conversation, and maybe you're not doing so much pouring into others as you are having people mentor you and pour into you and disciple you. I would say this. There is nobody that is beyond that. There's nobody that's beyond mentoring or discipleship or needing to be coached and, and trained in life. I, I found these, these articles this week. I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, both Aaron Rodgers, uh, you might know him, Super Bowl uh, MVP quarterback. You might know this guy. Steph Curry, maybe you've heard of him, NBA MVP. Uh, both of these guys have one character trait that they share in common. Separate interviews. Here's, here's what Aaron Rodgers said. Aaron Rodgers said this. He says, I love being coached. And that's what it is. They both love to be coached. He said, I love talking football with smart coaches. I love the input, the dialogue, the conversation. His, his team's head coach, Mike McCarthy, said this. He said, Aaron is a really good student. He wants to be coached, and he likes to be coached hard. So his coach is saying, man, this is one of the guys that just loves to be, if we'll use that church word again, he loves to be discipled. He loves to be coached. Additionally, Steph Curry, he's got the same attitude. One of his coaches uh, said in a separate article, he said this. He said, he's the most educable player I've ever known. And educable is a word. I know, I, I looked it up this week. I thought it wasn't. Uh, he's the most educable player I've ever known, both in terms of his willingness to listen and in his ability to absorb and execute. These two superstar players could easily say, you know what, I've got this handled. I've got the ring that weighs five pounds. I don't need you. But each of these guys says, you know what? I know I could be better. I know I could be better. And so the same thing's true with us because here's the deal. Basketball, you think that's hard to play at that level. Football, you think that's hard to play at that level. Try winning at life, okay? That's a hundred times more hard. That's a hundred times more difficult. I mean, think about all the different things that come into it, relationships and business and, and friendships and all this kind of stuff. If you want to win at life, don't think that you've got it figured out. Allow other people to speak into you. And if you are one of those people who is speaking into somebody's life, remember this, that it's important that we let them dream God's dreams for them, not you dreaming your dreams for them. That's an important difference. I think a lot of times people try to shape others in their own image. But really what we want to do is shape people in the image that God has created them to be. And so how do you do that? 
Well, here, you ask questions like this. You say, what would you do for God if you had no fears and unlimited resources? What would you do for him? You know, how, how do you feel the closest to God? What are you doing when you feel closest to God? What is it that you think God has been making you for and shaping you for up to this point in your life? As you start to ask those questions, and they start to reflect on those questions, they start to think about, man, this is what God wants for me. This is, I think, what God is, is helping me to become. And it's at that point in time, you take that dream that you've learned about, and then you start back up to the top of the process. You pray for them and for that dream. And then you commit to spending some time with them. And then you commit to being available. And you commit to letting them have a shot at that. And then you commit to giving them some feedback as you go through it. And this discipleship process sort of starts all over again. But the, the key thing is this, is that it takes time. So here's our last conversation challenge. We've got this up on the screen. It says, commit to an ongoing conversation with one person to build a positive partnership with them for their future. So real simple, easy step is this, is you just simply this week, maybe send them an email, a text, Facebook Messenger, a Snapchat. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's a technical term for that. You could use the phone. I know people still use that. Text, email, knock on their door, call, smoke signal. There is no shortage of way to communicate with others. But just get together with somebody and say, hey, let's make this a regular thing. Let's get together once a month or twice a month and make this a regular thing. I don't try to take a lot of life advice from Woody Allen, but I think he got this part right. He said, listen, 90% of life is just showing up, and I think it's true. And so if we would be people that commit to just showing up and just committing, saying, I'm going to be a part of your life, and I'm going to try to be a force for good, I think it could do an amazing thing. So let's give that a shot this week. Let me pray for you. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for the way that you have sent people to my own life. To, I can think of teachers and, and mentors and, and people that have just committed to spending time with me, God. And I know what a difference that's made in my own life. And God, as, as I know that you're not content to just let me be poured into, you want me to pour into others, God, I pray that you'd help me to do that, to be somebody that is taking the time and making the time to pour into people regularly. And I pray, Lord, for everybody that's in this room that, that has got some, somebody in their mind that they're thinking, this is somebody I could, I could really help. I could partner with them, that, that we'd have, have the best shot at being the best person God's created them to be. God, I pray that they would just take it this week, take this challenge to heart, that they would say, hey, I want to commit to showing up and, and to doing this regularly. God, would you just give them the courage to do that, and would you bless their relationship as they seek you? We pray this in your name. Amen.